With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. episode of the Terry Scottish Football Podcast. I am Craig Fowler and I'm joined on this occasion by Gary Cocker. I'm raging at Rob. Yes, and Robert Borthwick is not here. He was due to be on tonight's show, but since Rob has one, maybe even two feet that are only for, good for hacking off, then he's been unable to make it through because he's kind of laid up in his house working from home in Glasgow. Oh, we, wish, well. we wish Rob a speedy recovery. Relatively speedy. I'm not going to be on the podcast for a few weeks, so it's fine by me. <laughs> Fuck you then <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for being so empathetic to my plight Yeah. Right, let's say uh, Oh, brilliant no, Actually, I'm, I'm now happy I'm starting with this Dundee are out of the cup, Gary You fucking shot yourself, didn't you? Last minute, give away a goal Rubbish <laughs> And this is a Craig Fowler solo podcast from now on um, Yeah, it was Everything was positive about yesterday Other than the final result Which saw us go out of the cup um, yeah, so Dundee exited the Betfred Cup, 2 on to Aberdeen, number 1 in going in injury time, conceded a goal, Aberdeen scored the winner on extra yeah, time. And it was uh, Constantine, believe it or not, it's not like he usually scores against Dundee. Um, yeah, as I said, it was very positive, Dundee lined up um, 4-2-3-1, which is preferable to 3 at the back, which I'll come to later on. And genuinely for the entire match, up until the 91st minute, were better than Aberdeen. There was maybe a five-minute spell at the start of the second half when Aberdeen looked like they'd been given a rocket at halftime, which they probably had been. Uh, had a couple of really good chances, which Cosgrove conspired to miss. And then it, they just fell away from it totally. Um, it's probably unfair to say the game hinged on a late substitution. But, but you're going to say that anyway. But I'm going to say it anyway. Um, if you had to pick one thing which maybe led to it, it would be um, in the 85th minute, 86th minute, we took off, I think it was Finlay Robertson came off for uh, Josh Meekins 
and we went to the three at the back, which worked so well against Dunfermline in the first half of the opening day of the season. Um, and it's... But is this not... Like, it's, for, I didn't see the game, but is this yeah. not like a different type of thing to do it with? Because against Dunfermline, you started with it. Yeah. And then it was not working. But that's... That's a different type of match against Aberdeen in the last five minutes. It's not just a case of throwing on another centre half so you've got another big body if, in the box. If it had worked, I would be saying, yes, absolutely, Craig, that's the reason for it. Um, but because it didn't work, I'm going to be very harsh about it. Um, I think that because of that, um, you know, beforehand we had McGee and Forrester, they knew who they were picking up, where they were supposed to be, and putting Meekins into the middle of that might have caused a little bit of confusion. Um, Aberdeen's equaliser came from a free kick, um, free kick. Came into the box. Greg Lee um, header should have really scored with it, but Hamilton made a great save. But it went straight back to Lee, and he just put it across the six yard box. And Constein was there and just sort of bundled it over. Um, and I, along with the entire Bobby Cox, and just stood and looked at the linesman in hope of something. <laughs> we didn't know what, just something to rule it out. Um, but genuinely, up until then, Dundee were winning all the midfield battles. Craig Bryson, I know it was, I think he's just come back from injury. Um, it was his first full game for Aberdeen and he did nothing. Um, they did nothing to impose themselves on the game. Um, Greg Lee, who I've already mentioned, had a good game for Aberdeen. But Shea Logan was torn to shreds by Declan McDade, which wow. should really be a... Uh, They've signed a new right-back. I don't know if you'll, how much he'll play. I know they played against Mirren, but I, didn't, I don't know much else about him apart from that. Yeah. I watched him a wee bit in Wise but it was only like from 10 minutes. Yeah. Big guy. Um, but other things to report Danny Johnson did well up front on his own uh, hassled Constantine and McKenna the whole time um, Jamie Ness was playing in the advanced position said Paul McGowan and that seemed to be a bit more of a there was a bit more of a connection that way um, I think Paul McGowan is probably coming to the end of his useful time um, but what was pretty clear is we do still need a few options to come off the bench McPake himself said that the reason, one of the reasons he put on Meekins was that that was the only other experienced player on the bench. He didn't have a like-for-like replacement um, for, I think it was actually Josh Todd that came off um, rather than Finlay Robertson at that point. Um, so he had to, Meekins was the only player he could turn to. So then that caused a wee bit of a reshuffle of the pack. And the problem was that the minute that you concede an equaliser in injury time and it goes to extra time and you've already made, obviously you can make the extra substitution, which we did, but... There was we were already set up defensively and it was inevitable that Aberdeen would end up scoring again and it wouldn't go to penalties which was a pity because a midweek game in the capital against Hearts would have actually suited me yeah we would have much rather preferred you lot to Aberdeen as well you say that but I mean Aberdeen fans I was going to that, say I was going to say um, speaking of coming to the end of, the, of their useful time if yeah. you so eloquently put it Derek McInnes and the Aberdeen fans. That relationship is getting more and more strained, isn't it? A lot of booing. There were there was a lot of booing at half time, which I enjoyed. Um and from about the seventy minute mark onwards it was just constant booing. Um and real unrest among the fans of you know, Joe Lewis took more than two seconds to make up his mind about what he was going to do with the ball. The fans went mental. Um The other thing is that Cosgrove, although he did score the winner, he didn't have his best game. And that probably contributed a little bit as well. Um, as I've already mentioned, Shea Logan didn't have a great game. Aberdeen centre-halves weren't really sure how to deal with Johnson, and Johnson's much shorter than them. Um, <laughs> and at least in the case of McKenna, much less uh, physical than them. Um, so there were quite a few 
areas where Aberdeen seemed to be lacking. Um, bringing on McLennan did change the game a wee bit because it stretched it. By that point, Dundee were tiring as well. Um, and it was Aberdeen's sixth game, sixth game in about 17 or 18 days, as opposed to Dundee having an eight-day break from their last game. So um, they're um, they're still be. Yes, um, if only for the same reasons that Neil Lennon must stay. <laughs> Funny you should say that when I <laughs> move on to Neil Lennon, who watched his side defeat Dunfermline on Saturday, but not in the manner that we thought. I certainly didn't think that I'd be bringing up this game so early in the running order, but Dunfermline drew within 90 minutes uh, were eventually undone by James Forrest with 7 minutes remaining and not exactly the type of victory that Celtic fans were looking for off the back of exiting Europe oh, sorry exiting the Champions League mm-hmm. in the previous midweek and certainly not the type of uh, result people were expecting when they saw Celtic's lineup either because no because um, it was a fairly strong team it was their strongest team yeah I wouldn't go that far especially the kind of we set up and stuff but yeah, yeah I mean there wasn't really many players it was Gordon instead of Bain because Bain's injured for a couple months yeah I suppose the back four was what you would maybe consider the strongest team although we get on to two players who <laughs> might not be that strong in that in that unit uh, bargains Mike, both of them Mikey Johnson is he better uh, sort of but then he might be better than Scott Sinclair at least yeah. nice Neil Lennon because Sinclair Really played much, and Johnson, by many accounts, was Celtic's best player. I suppose now I'm talking this through. Yeah, you might be right. Yeah. <laughs> no, they kind of. But one thing I would say is that they played both forwards. Yeah. And uh, that's not really worked for Celtic in the last few years. They've tried this a few times, but they've got they've got Lee Griffiths. So because Lee Griffiths might not be as effective as a, a one man strike partner, so as what one man strike partner, a one man strike force as maybe the likes of. Edward or Dembele for example I think they've tried partnering them with someone else and it, it, it's not really worked out for Celtic at any time they've tried to do that even though I would say that Lee Griffiths is perhaps underrated as a one man strike force I think he can do most of what you need in that position maybe he struggles a bit European level but when you're playing Alexander Dunfermline he should be fine the thing that Celtic fans well there's a lot of Celtic fans were frustrated with but something they said is that Neil Lennon had kind of changed the team so even though it looked like they're Strongest lineup. He played a kind of. Well, Celtic fans didn't even know what the formation but was. Neil some, Lennon some, some played people, a strange formation. Some people seem to think it was three five two, but others thought it was four four two, like a flat four four two, but disjointed <laughs> looking. So, so he, the, he basically just chucked eleven guys on and went, "Just see what you do, literally, guys. See, literally see how you go." Kerry Dillstreet and it was just fancy. People were asking what formation we were playing, and nobody yeah. could actually come to an answer. So that's yeah, that's but not even good. but even with that. You would still expect Celtic to take less than what was it about 115 minutes? Yeah, uh, um, 113 minutes. And the two goals he scored were it was a mishit cross and from def- Mikey Johnson and a deflected one up. Yeah, um, and the Celtic players throughout the match looked looked lacking in tempo, lacking in energy as well. Just kind of looked quite listless. A lot of easy mistakes, a lot of misplayed passes. And a lot of poor performances in that. Uh, most notably, especially in, I think in the first half, uh, <laughs> Christopher Julien, uh, seven million pounds. Uh, he had the a final cu- piece of the jigsaw. He had a couple of very ropey moments in the first half. He had he had one where he, he almost he pretty much played through Kevin Nisbet, uh, and Nisbet missed his chance. And then he had another moment. I think it was Nisbet again. Where I've not seen anybody talk about this, but I was thinking, is this a penalty? Because 
It's, it's one of those ones that referees are never going to give because it's high feet. You're never really going to give a penalty mm. for high feet, but he does. I'm not entirely sure. He only had one angle in the Dunfermline TV highlights, and it was the main stand angle, so it was from far away. So I don't know how much contact was made. But Nisbet goes down, and Julian's foot was at head height, and he gets the ball. I think he, he maybe gets Nisbet as well. A classic. If it was anywhere else on the pitch, I think anywhere else yeah. on the pitch, you get a, you give it a foul for that. Yeah, so that was a, that was a strange decision <laughs> to, to raise his boot that high. And there was also something mentioned about um, Gordon spilling it into the net late on, but it was disallowed. I don't. There's see a few that. minutes to go. Um, I'm guessing. It was I don't a, think that was in the highlights. No, I'm guessing it was a pretty obvious yeah, foul, which was why it was disallowed. But it did cause um, some score apps updated to say Celtic one Dunfermline two. <laughs> So some score apps got people rather excited for no reason. Um, Celtic players really, like he saw a lot of fans on the forum saying like, Ball and Golly and Julian don't look any good, but maybe they look good with a proper manager. So some real harsh criticism of Lennon already. Like, cause I, and we didn't think Lennon was the right man for the job after Rodgers. We thought Celtic could do better. And we also said that he didn't do a very good job in his last season at Hibs. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's completely clueless. <laughs> yeah, because the thing is, at Hibs, you could maybe understand why he would take chances with formations or you know trying to rejig things a little bit to see if he can find some unique winning formula. But with Celtic, especially if you're in a cup tie against mid-table championship opposition at home, and you're putting out a strong team, yeah, you know, ninety-nine times out of a hundred, you should be able to go into an early lead and then just take it from there. Um, but he seems to be taking unnecessary innovations. Uh, yeah, I wonder, I wonder if it was a reaction to the, the game in midweek. I wonder if he's still trying to work out this team after the signings. Because, well, he, yeah, well, he has, like, in, in the second season with Hibs, sorry, the second top flight season with Hibs, his third season overall, he certainly did make some weird team choices. The one that, Kelly would have started with eight defensive players, including the goalkeeper, and only three attacking players in the party. That was bizarre in the extreme. But that was at a time where Hibs were struggling to put results together. So he was kind of panicking. Now, it's obviously too early to be panicking, especially when you've won your first two league games and scored 12 goals in the process. But I wonder, just after Tuesday, if he wanted to mix things up. But, I mean... If you weren't like mixing up, you thought you would maybe drop a few more players or, or rotate a bit more because he brought in brought Julian and Ball and Goli back at the team, but the the forward players were pretty much the same and well, they played pretty well either, apart from Mikey Johnson, who I don't think started against Cluj. No, um, but I think we should also give Dan Ferrell some credit as well because um, uh, oh yeah, um, so far this season they've shown a bit of a pattern of coming out of the traps. In the first half, being you know high press, absolutely flying, and then just running out of steam in the second half. But it was quite the opposite. Yes. Um, in this game, and they can consider themselves unlucky. And their goal wasn't. I was wondering whether their goal would be something like from a corner or something like that. But it's just a just brilliant, brilliant run from Andy Ryan, who manages to keep the ball pretty much from near the halfway line, running down the touchline, <laughs> and get past Callum McGregor and then cuts it back for Tom Beadling to score yeah. and just before Forrest goal um, they had a chance on the counter as well I think Coley just took the made a wrong decision it was about two minutes before we were um, on a terrace road trip to Elgin we were listening to the 
radio All right. on the way back. Um, and at one point they got very excitable about Dunfermline on the attack. But it's Celtic in the final uh, in the final round in the quarter final draw. Uh, yeah, one player, one Dunfermline player, Lewis Martin, uh, was apparently excellent. I saw Dunfermline fans describe it as one of the best performances they've seen from a footballer in <laughs> recent years. He doesn't have a subscription to BT Sport or Sky. <laughs> but anyway, Martin played very well. The England defended very well overall. There wasn't many. Clear cut Celtic chances that from the highlights, it, like, it was the Fairman highlights, so I, I don't know whether uh, they were just missing other ones out. But for what I could see, there was a lot of kind of shots for distance and stuff. It wasn't it wasn't like Celtic missed loads of sitters. I, I saw on um, the SPFL uh, Twitter account somebody replying to say that um, the draw had been rigged and they were a Celtic fan. So I'm assuming that Celtic must have a very tough draw. In the next round, can we cover? Can we cover whatever game it is um, that produced the the team they're playing? I'm guessing it must be. Is it Rangers away or? Uh, to be fair, I wonder if that was just that could have been one of two things. Well, it could be three things. It could be just a complete bamboo. Uh, it could be. It's, what's more likely is it was somebody being sarcastic, or is number three it could be a bot. <laughs> could be. Just any time Celtic draw SPFL, tweet that it just draws rigged. Could be. So who is it they've got? They've got Partick Thistle. Ah, right, okay. <laughs> Kelly Miller's Partick Thistle, in fairness. Yes, uh, Miller apparently had a very good game, he scored. Uh, this was a game that really kind of turned in the final 10 minutes. County hadn't played well, but it looked like they'd, they'd done enough to get the to get the win to advance to the next round. And then Miller pops up with a goal. Thistle then really could have won it in the normal time. They didn't they had to wait till extra time, but they managed to do it anyway. They scored first. County equalised, but they managed to get the winner. And it's Thistle. Even County fans were saying deservedly so into the quarterfinals. Good for them. Um, <laughs> you could not have seen yeah. this, Not much. Um, I suppose the only thing I would have to say is that it does show, or I think the last couple of weeks have shown that Thistle's educated gamble on Kenny Miller is paying off a little bit better than people thought it would um, obviously when uh, Chris Doolan was let go um, and they brought in another I don't think we thought it was striker. that bad did we? we didn't I'm saying people right, okay because I thought yeah because we general people we recognised um, that after his horrendous start they actually kind of came to be okay for Dundee yeah he was alright he was still doing the Kenny Miller thing of you yeah, know dropping to right thought, back and, we kind of thought they maintained that standard in the championship then he might be alright yeah. and it seems that's exactly it seems yeah. to be but generally some I think some Thistle fans were questioning the uh, the allocation of wages if I can put it that way uh, on the striker of that age and uh, especially when uh, Chris Doolan had been let go though obviously there's I think wider things at play there, um, but it looks as if it is paying off. Yes, and also one player who stood it for this game, fans were talking about a lot, was uh, Sean McGinty. He was a kind of figure of fun this time last year. Seems to be improving a bit, and is no longer looking a complete useless cart horse. So good for Big McGinty. Ross County, I think they paid the price for rotating a little bit. Mullen and Vigers dropped to the team, and that kind of stifled a lot of their creativity. And but I, I saw that uh, not a county fan, I think it's a Johnson fan, uh, probably probably starving 
were starved of the inability to complete. Was it kidney? I can't remember. Um, starved of the inability for us to for us to, to not be able to moan about us not talking up St. Johnson. Mm-hmm. Instead, moaned about the guys last week not giving enough credit to Ross County for their performance against Harps. It's like they just focused on Harps. So I would uh, like to say that I thought Kerry were great in that game and they've had a very good start to the season. <laughs> there we go, I'm glad we've covered that. No, no, um, Kerry, Kerry came out and with a proper game plan that made sense, which was much better than the host, which was, you know, to defend to defend the in numbers, but not limit themselves to that, to get the wingers pressed very wide, which helped because Hearts were playing a ridiculously narrow formation and they just had so much space throughout the entire game and Ross Stewart should have scored several goals. Mm-hmm. So it's nothing to do with the current game, but there you go, yeah. County finally getting some praise. And I'm guessing Vigers might have been rested given he was in the news for other events this week. He, was, he was either arrested or up in court. Oh, right. So well, it, it that may not have been a, a, an act of choice. He was, no, he was on the bench, he came on. Yeah, but, you know, he may have played the 90 minutes, had he? No, no, I'm not buying this. No. You can just play him. Unless he's, he was up in court for... Playing too much football. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, next up, the highest scoring game of the weekend. Hibs 5, Morton 3. 3 all. At 3 full all time. at full time. Yeah. Morton, uh, Morton scoring a injury time equaliser through the second own goal Hibs scored on the day. Stephen Whitaker scored the second. Lewis Stevenson scored the first. And Bob McHugh, hammer of the hips, scored the other. Yes, he did. Oh, so he did, eh? Yeah. I forgot that he loves the goal yeah. against Hibs. Um, yeah, another poor defensive performance from Hibs off the back of conceding six Ibrox and mm-hmm. now conceded three to Morton. That's nine goals, two games. Not great by anybody's stretch of the imagination. And I think, yeah, to be fair, I think there are reasons for it. Gray and McGregor came back into the team. You would have thought that was, along with Stevenson, but I'm sorry it was McGregor in anyway. I think Gray came into the team Stevenson came into the team I think McGregor uh, was played against Rangers as well but anyway both Gray and McGregor got injured McGregor was injured within 12 minutes Gray went off in 73 uh, Stevenson played his first game in a while a little bit rusty had to play 120 minutes I don't think that exactly helped he kind of struggled for a, a lot of this game Hibs do have some injuries in the back line uh, even along with those two Tom James is Brian was ruled out for a couple of months. Brian Porteous is still not fit. Though um, so he has been named in the Scotland under twenty one squad. Yes, he must be coming back soon. Yep. But I think it also shows as well that Adam Jackson, who came on for McGregor, did not have a good game, and Chris Maxwell continued to look like somebody who's nowhere near as good as Ophir Marciano. He didn't. He wasn't really at fault for any of the goals, but. He still looked a bit shaky. He didn't have the commanding presence that Marciano has, and it's just a little bit of more red flags for the Hibs fans who aren't exactly enamoured with Paul Heckenbottom's summer signings. Yeah, and of course there was a bit of touchline drama. Oh yeah, as well. Um, Davy Hopkin was sent to the stands, and I think he's now claimed that he was manhandled. Yes, and uh, by the fourth official. abused yeah. bad language from the fourth official. Yeah. Um, so that's interesting because I think I'm right in saying that Davy Hopkins already been sent to the stands this season. Uh, has he? I think he has. Um, and Ian McCall was given a yellow card the other week as well. 
Um, so, oh yeah, of course. So there's, there's a bit of a spate of bad boys in the Scottish Labrooks Championship. To go back to Hibs, I think another problem with Hibs as well is that midfield just they're just a bastard. They don't have a bastard in midfield. <laughs> a lot of Scottish it's, people fans would call Scotland a bastard, but that's that's but not the, really the meaning. It's the classic stereotypical Hibs of. Yeah. Sort of we need tidy midfielders and that's but what, they can just get bypassed yeah that's what yeah. Peckinbottom seems to seems to want and I think the signing of Josh Villa is, I like the look of him but I did yeah I thought he looked a decent player I thought that energy was something that needed in the centre but while he's somebody who's energetic and gets after the ball he's not a very physical midfielder and I think they need somebody who gets after the ball but can lay out an opponent as well because with Vela, it was Vela, Slavka and Allen at the weekend. That's not really much of an upgrade on Vela, Malin and Allen. Mm. Um, Allen played reasonably well, set up, I think, a couple of goals. Cam Berry was on top form, uh, which is a good thing and a bad thing. A good thing. <laughs> because it? it moves Christian Doidge right down the pecking order. No, no, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a good thing for that. Uh, it's a good thing that if Cam Berry's back to his best, then Hibs will always be a threat in games because when he's on top form, he's a, a striker that's so difficult for defenders to deal with in this league and he makes players around him better because he can hold up the ball so well when he's playing to his strengths but he was almost admitted himself that the reason he played so well is because he knew that scouts from Basel were watching him (laughs) (laughs) which isn't really the attitude you want (laughs) and also could be insulted as well yeah, I'm trying to score my way out of Leith is not exactly uh, <laughs> something that you should be having on a CD. Right, Morton played well. Uh, no, Morton fans were saying no real surprise they lost five goals and it wasn't just a case of playing a team in the division above. The, the back line was Lewis Strap, Ryan McLean, Jim McAllister. Sorry, Jim McAllister that played for Dundee. Yes. And uh, right. Kyle Jacobs. So there's a 34-year-old a uh, youngster and two midfielders <laughs> and uh, the youngster Lewis Strapp had a very good game the rest of them did not play well so that's modern fans are basically saying I think they signed Peter Grant in the off season but Grant's already injured so they're saying that they desperately need to sign another defender or two yeah Nicky Cannon also got some good reviews for playing uh, playing off McEwen attack I'm not sure if Morton were trying to keep Kerry Waddle who's now at Montrose in the summer I know he didn't have the best season for Morton last year but at least it's not playing a midfielder yes oh ancient Brian Brian McLean right we now move on to the game on Friday night that was Motherwell against Hearts we were both in attendance we were on different ends though yes but no until you it was the same end I was there for this evening oh right okay (laughs) oh yes we were we were in the same stand then yes (laughs) I thought you were in with all the other Hearts fans. No, no, um, I would not lower myself to <laughs> such depravity. I was pleasantly surprised so was I. by how decent Hearts looked. Yes. Um, I mean, they still don't look like a team that are going that have a natural goal scorer. No. If, you know, um, but I thought that Connor Wash... Hopefully the Wash, now uh, that he's got one under his belt. Uh, he, he reminded me of... He does a bit too much work outside the box to be a... Yeah. a natural finisher which to be fair kind of I think losing Jimmy Walker's a blow but yep. how uh, long's he out for was it? three months three months mm. it's a shame as well because he was injured putting in a great challenge which possibly yeah. stopped a goal yeah 
and he had looked sharp before then I think he looked at his, with the exception of maybe the first 25 minutes against Dundee United I think he looked at his best since coming back he it was the the three behind the forward so Hutch lined up in a 4-2-3-1 uh, with Clare on one side Mulroney on the other and Walker behind Washington and Washington just on the role of a lone striker much more effectively than Uchi it's obviously yeah. not as eye-catching but he was actually able to hold up the ball effectively and link with teammates mm-hmm. and make the smart decision all the time as opposed to Uchi which is much more you know eye-catching and uh, chaos factor but uh, mm-hmm. it does make you tear your hair out yeah. a lot <laughs> but I think Hearts were also helped by the fact that Motherwell seemed to have one main tactic which was give the ball well this wasn't actually their tactic but Hearts were quite effective Unsure, and it was Charles Dunn who had the yeah. ball, um, and then who was trying crossfield diagonal passes to either Jermaine Hilton or to Sherwin Sadorf, neither of whom had any luck. No, up against Smith and Hickey. I think uh, Graham I said that in the chat, didn't he? The Motherwell's wingers over the game, all of them were pretty pretty poor. Devante yeah. Cole didn't really do anything when he came on either. Yeah, um, yeah. Devante Cole just seemed to. It was as if he was wearing. You know, when you see people playing. Um, I forget what it's called, but it's, it's the football which is where you wear the, the massive goggles sort of affect your depth perception. No. This is a tortured analogy which has gone on too long already. But basically, <laughs> Devante Cole looked like he was playing the game five yards to the left of everybody else. <laughs> um, no, Motherwell's wingers didn't really impress me. I thought, foolishly, I thought, given how they did in the Betfred Cup against League One and League Two sides, that they might be quite effective, but they just reminded me a bit of how Dundee's wingers played in the last couple of seasons which is not a good sign it's quite the opposite of that, it's yeah. massive flashing warning lights because um, Seedorf whenever he had the ball he seemed terrified to try and beat his man or if he did beat his man he then tried to beat him again mm-hmm. to get a little bit closer into the box and then it just didn't end well for him um, the midfield didn't impose themselves at all either, um, I wasn't even really aware that Liam Polworth was playing Mm-hmm. Uh, until I realised that he was in fact on the team sheet um, Donnelly who's obviously been a wee bit of an early season talisman for Motherwell didn't really do too much either so all in all it wasn't it was a very timid display from Motherwell the point I was going to say earlier is that even without Walker with Naismith coming back by the end of the month if Naismith plays in the number 10 role mm-hmm. as opposed to him and I think he can link up effectively with Washington as well and Jimmy Walker's not the quickest of attackers so you're not exactly I mean he can run with the ball which Naismith probably isn't quite as good as dribbling as Walker but mm-hmm. you're not losing any pace from the change of the two so I think he could effectively link with Washington it's just whether this because it helped the mother were confident enough to step out against Hearts so it wasn't a case of they, they were wanting to take the game so it allowed it enabled Hearts to have some space so I think the first goal well it wasn't necessarily a counter-attack it's a goal that you might not be able to get the chance to score at Tynecastle because Mikey Smith's probably not going to have that much space on the right to advance and then cut in and shoot. I mean, Smith had a lot. Of, well, actually, to be fair, Smith had a lot of space against yeah. him. <laughs> County didn't really do it. So no, that's. But anyway, the point I make is that I think throughout the game, Hearts done quite well on the counter, even when they weren't creating chances. It was going to Washington, and he was holding it up so that the whole team could then get dragged up the park. They're not going to be able to do that much against. It's going to be a different type of match when they play teams at Tynecastle who are going to sit in. Mm-hmm. So next up is Hamilton at Tynecastle. And then it's Mullow again. And Mullow are probably going to be not quite as adventurous as they were at Fur Park. No. So it'll be interesting to see whether the formation works because they'll have to adopt a slightly different game plan around it. I think it, it probably 
does give the best balance to the team at the moment. Be interesting when Suter comes back though, because do you drop better? Better played well on Friday. Yeah, night. Actually the, did. Whole, the whole um, the whole back line played well. Yep. Because um, basically all of my pre uh, pre game predictions to my father in law, which were Bearer is a donkey, Motherwell will scoosh this. I don't know why you're worrying about this. All fell to pieces. Um, <laughs> but no, Bearer did um, credit for credits. I thought this would be as we've all thought with Scott Brown um, on a separate note. We all keep thinking this is the season when finally it's just going to fall to bits and he's just going to go off that cliff. Um, but Bearer, I wouldn't say rolled back the years, but he was. At least he was good. He was effective. Right, four four one Livingston two. Well done, Livingston. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think this was the game that I think a lot of us thought could be the potential banana yes, skin. So well done, ironic, for avoiding that. Yeah, ironically, I think it's one of the only games that didn't go to extra time. Yes, well. and Livingston probably should have won this by more. Both both sets of supporters were waxing lyrical about the performance of Mark McCallum, former Livingston goalkeeper, I believe, who is uh, one of the best goalkeepers in League One at Forfar, and he had an outstanding game, played a n- made a number of great saves, which kept Forfar in the match. But Livy could yeah could have won this by more, even though the fact that they didn't really play that well in the first half. Weirdly, didn't play that well in the first half. Won the first half one 0 uh, played much better in the second half, but drew it one each. <laughs> so football, we're good. Uh, there was. Praise for two of the midfield three, Marvin Bartley and Robbie Crawford, play well throughout the match. Scott Pittman didn't play well first half, but turned it on in the second period, and I believe he got the second goal, did he not? Pittman did, after Lyndon Dykes. He also played quite well, doing his usual, his usual hard work, his usual doing all the right things, except from scoring, although he did score in this game. So they could do that more often, but he won't, because <laughs> it's Lyndon Dykes. But he usually plays well, and he did in this one, and... Yeah, Livingston continuing what has been a fairly bright start to the season. They, I think, chan- creating finishing chances. I mean, it maybe comes to the fact that you've got London Dykes in your team. <laughs> It'd be quite awesome. Stevie Lawless as well. Never somebody that scores a lot of goals. Maybe it's the personnel, but if you look at the first two games and then kind of this one as well maybe a recurring theme that they're not taking as many chances as they should because they could easily have six points from the first two matches yeah. but I think they are performing a lot better than most pundits gave them credit for because obviously they lost two of the back three over the course of the summer um, and there are various other sort of warning signs that make you think this is a team that could be in trouble such as uh, handing a new contract to a guy just before you punt him out on loan for the rest yeah. of that contract um, but they've performed well they seem to have uh, I was going to say completed that's not quite the right word but they seem to have managed to get over or look like they're going to get over the hump of the difficult second season as well although it's always too early to tell <laughs> right let's move on to another team that are always that fancy to battle relegation Hamilton they lost 1-0 at Kelly you missed your chance to go Kilmarnock there and get, oh, the, ban- yeah, get the banner on the go um yeah, no surprise Eamon Brophy didn't score. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Kelly fans are kind of even saying like maybe he should be dropped at the team because he's clearly not high on confidence at the moment, but who the fuck are you going to play with, doesn't he? He was partnered with Innes Cameron for this game. Mm, now, Cameron played very well for Stranraer last season. Is he ready for top flight football, though? Don't, don't really know, but the fact that he's a Brophy's partner would maybe tell you there's not a lot of options there at the moment, and it's still the same problem we're probably seeing for every week now for Kelly as we come up to, I think, 
I think there's still two weeks left of the transfer market. Yeah, there is. Yeah. Because it actually closes on midnight on a Monday, I think. Yeah, because the end of the month is at the weekend, so it'll be the Monday. So there's still two weeks left, but they need they still need to get some players in. They, they went with a 4-4-2 for this one, changing their formation slightly from the previous week where they were defeated by Hamilton at uh, New Douglas Park, or whatever the fuck it's called these days. The Hope CBD? Stadium? No, it's changed. Oh, is it not the Stadium of Dreams or something? Something like that. Foundation of Dreams. Foundation of Youth. Foundation of Youth Stadium. That's it. My word. Let's go with it. <laughs> Fountain of Youth. Fountain of Youth. Yes. Yeah. That makes more sense than Foundation. Yeah. There we go. I mean, it's clearly a sponsorship deal that works. It's got everybody <laughs> talking about the stadium. <laughs> I wonder if Gary Dicker had been punished for his comments on Twitter after the last game when he said that they were, uh, like, what is it he said? Punk. We were... We were brutal. Brutal, that, that was it. Because yeah. he was omitted from the starting 11. Uh, they went to the 4-4-2, so it was power alongside El McCreeney in the centre of the park. Kelly fans weren't particularly over enamoured with this choice, especially since it looked better in extra time after Dicker came on and replaced the Dutch midfielder. Also, while Kelly won this game, and while Kelly fans are obviously delighted that their team's in the next round of the cup, they still didn't look that great. No. And, and I suppose another fear would be if, uh, if Celtic do end up depending on your point of view, pulling their finger out or panicking and buying Greg Taylor as well, then that's one part of their backline being dismantled. You mentioned Greg Taylor. He was... Uh, him and O'Donnell are two, two players to kind of watch in this Kelly team because they seem to be a little bit curtailed or neutered. I don't know if it's by their manager or just a lack of... You, you wouldn't really think it's a lack of confidence but maybe a lack of understanding about what they're supposed to do but you'll often see them to look to go beyond but instead of attacking the opposing fullback as they have done for the last couple of years they're stopping turning back and just keeping them possession and it doesn't seem like right now what Alessio wants from his team he's either not getting his ideas across or what he's wanting doesn't fit the players at his disposal probably a little from column A a little from column B there Mm-hmm. But it's not. It's even though this was a victory. Don Thomas scoring. Craig Telford and Sean will be delighted. I was in a car with Craig Telford when this news came through, and he, <laughs> and he shoved a finger in my face and said, "Get it right up, you! I told you, I told you about this." And I said, "I've I've never said anything about it. <laughs> I've never expressed an opinion on Don Thomas, but I think he wanted me to pass it on to you." So, <laughs> oh well. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's and, a goal off the bench in a rubbish Kelly team against Chablon. But, you know, whatever. Yeah, I'm sure that means he's now eligible for a move to Celtic. So much to say about Hamilton? Uh, well, Aki's continue to be Aki's in cup competitions. A little bit unlucky with this one, I suppose. He didn't... I, I, to be fair, it just wasn't a good game of football, so it's hard to dish too much praise on Aki's. But there was plaudits for young Jamie Hamilton who started the game at centre-back. He had impressed in an Aki's under-20s game in midweek and uh, was put into the starting 11 and I think he even was given Aki's man of the match in some circles so and Lewis Smith who's just broken through has also been called up to the Scotland under 21 squad as well so there's shoots of youth in the fountain of youth (laughs) shoots of youth shoots of youth (laughs) green shoots okay Right, the final game we're going to talk about, and we're going to have to edge this one out for no reason, because we've still got like seven minutes to talk. Uh, it's East Fife Rangers. Well, we can talk about the draw and where we see it going as well. Oh yeah, of course the draw. Right, yeah. right we'll do that. Right, East Fife Rangers, because I've got no notes on this. 
Yeah. Um, just a, a professional performance from Rangers. Yeah. One that it's not a banana skin. When it's away, people talk chance, about being a banana skin, but no. Was it Anton Dowds? There was a chance that the Eastlife had the back post. Uh, or Andy Halliday went steaming into the back of a player. Uh, and There's the ball some over his head. Andy Halliday. Yeah, he was. He, yeah, good. He's had his six month spell of competency, and he's now right back square one. Um, <laughs> right back. Said the right back to Azerbaijan. Because <laughs> yeah. um, he's somehow starting ahead of Borna Barisic and John Flanagan and John Flanagan, no, but John Flanagan's fan. right footed. Yeah, but, he's but I know he's. I know only he's only playing left back. Yeah. Um, but I don't know if that was maybe played into bit six five so you can't imagine too much thought as really you know <laughs> surely um, but no I mean the thing that impresses me the most about this Rangers team is the squad depth and the different options they have because last season except if, at left back except at left well they've got three options at left back but they just can't seem to make yeah, any of them work yeah um, yeah just taking a gamble like he's going to manage to get one steady like not one steady performer but a steady performance out of that position every week with three guys who none of them are that great yeah. um, and as well as that Philip Hellander has been left out of the Europa League yes squad as well I so that's, that's to do with fitness because he didn't yeah. play badly uh, and I think he maybe even had a better game than Edmondson so yeah maybe it's something to do with fitness or maybe he picked up a knock against East Fife that's not been reported yet but with Rangers, I mean, they've got um, they've got so many different options up top now, and it's not like last season when Morelos, if Morelos wasn't available, Rangers looked toothless, looked defanged. Um, now um, you would say that you know Defoe and Morelos they seem to be in a competition with each other now. Um, you've also got Aribo and Ojo as well uh, chipping in. Um, Scott Arfield just behind the strikers as well, so. Open season. <laughs> yeah, I don't have much else to say about this, is there? No, Not really. Draw. Draw. Um, what's the fix? Um, no, it's, you would imagine it's. It's about nine that Celtic Rangers both got the two lowest ranked teams in the competition. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't really help matters. And it's, I can't think of the last time Celtic and Rangers drew each other before the semi final stage. And I appreciate that there's probably a statistical. Yeah. probability that you know why would they have but it is something that you always hope for if nothing else to open up the route to hand in for more teams because especially this season when they actually think Rangers could win the competition as opposed to previous seasons where... <laughs> yeah it was like oh <laughs> this will be fun if it's us that put them out um, yeah so looking at it I think Killy Hibbs has potential to be the most interesting yeah it's the, the, um, certainly an interesting it's... one at the moment with two managers who I mean do you want to say pressure? Yeah, maybe a little bit. Certainly questions being asked about both of them. Yeah. And two managers who haven't maybe quite found the right formula, two managers who can maybe do about adding to their team a bit further in the, the end of the window. But then you've got that with Aberdeen Hearts as well. Yeah, yeah. Or Hearts Aberdeen, I should say, um, because... Kind of different think, reasons, but yeah, two managers yeah, that are maybe getting questions thrown at them a bit. Mm-hmm. Depends who else has been injured for Hearts between now and the, <laughs> the quarterfinal. Yeah. Half the team probably. Um, another thing to mention about Aberdeen, just while I remember Lewis Ferguson was suspended at the weekend, right. which may have interrupted their flow. Um, but I just interrupted our flow of the draw to say that. We've never talked about Aberdeen. Yeah. Maybe um, back for the next round, presumably. Doesn't get injured. Yeah. Um, and then Celtic, Partick, Thistle. I think Partick, Thistle fans were 
a bit annoyed about this um, for the obvious reason, but also because I think if you have a look at the teams they've gone out to in the cup over the last five years or so, it tends to be either one or the other of the old firm or Hearts. Yeah. Um, so they've not had the best luck of the draw, literally you, and figuratively. Do you know there's two or three telegames? I thought it was three at cup final stage because it's over Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday. Yeah. Three um, at cup final stage? What does that mean? Sorry, I meant quarter final. I don't know why I keep saying cup final. <laughs> three at quarter final stage. Um, the three I reckon it should be would be um, the three that are not the Celtic part of the yeah. game. But realistically, I reckon it'll be Killy Hibbs that's left off. If it's only two, I think it'll be it, Livingston Rangers and Hearts Aberdeen. Yeah. I'd quite like Hearts Aberdeen on Thursday because we are recording the first episode of the new TV show that, yeah. that Wednesday. Mm-hmm. So we might have to do a late one because it's probably going to be two games on the Wednesday. Yeah. Uh, and also, if the game is on Tuesday night, there's no really, and I, I don't want to cover it because I'd have to. I'd be up till about midnight writing, and then have to be up at like six a.m. to get through to Livingston to the studio. So, yeah. so yeah, please, <laughs> please, hearts have a day Thursday night. Don't care about fucks with everybody else's schedule. I don't. I, I want that. And it's obviously too far out to say who we think could go through, but it could well be. Uh, uh, you could have a. Glasgow Derby and an Edinburgh Derby. You could. In the semis. But they get the hot balls out again. You know, Hearts, Celtic, Rangers. Oh, here they go. <laughs> I think, yeah, it's going to be a good combo, no matter what. <laughs> and if you like conspiracy theories, you should check out the Patreon. We're going to record one now. Uh, that's patreon.com forward slash terrace podcast. You can, there's a couple of levels there, $2 levels. You can listen to the podcast we're going to record now. But if you want to access all the content, you can go for the only $5 a month. And if you want to do seven dollars a month, you get a t-shirt and a fanzine at the end of the season. So make sure to check that out. We're going to do that right now, and you can also get us on Twitter, Facebook, yada yada yada, etc. Mm-hmm. The whole shebang. Mm-hmm. See ya. <laughs> Goodbye. Sports Social Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.